All right, bullous emphysema and pneumothorax. Here's your preview question. Bullous emphysema is characterized by which of the following types of acinar involvement? Proximal, panacinar, distal, irregular, or homogeneous acinar? Okay, very good. Distal acinar. We're going to go over, uh, looks like we needed to define some of these things. Uh, so we'll go over all of those. The World Health Organization um, ATS definition of emphysema, characterized by an increase beyond normal in the sizes of the air spaces, distal to the terminal non-respiratory bronchial that arises from destruction of their walls. And so there are different locations, there are different mechanisms, and uh, we'll, go, we'll go through all that. So here's a picture on CT of bullous emphysema, completely destroyed parenchyma with a large bulla. The definition is often confused because of an overlap in the etiology and the symptomatology. So we often talk of patients that have emphysema uh, asthma and COPD, and there are different kinds of, even in those subcategories, and they all kind of get lumped into, into one. Two-thirds of adults show some emphysema at autopsy. 10% have severe clinical disease. 10% of smokers have significant chronic airflow obstruction associated with COPD. So the enzymatic mechanisms of tissue destruction are protease pathogenesis, and that's your uh, increase in these proteolytic enzymes or elastases in relation to the availability of proteolytic inhibitors or the alpha-1 antitrypsin. So alpha-1 antitrypsin is the major protease in the human lower respiratory tract, and you can give yourself this disease if you smoke because cigarette smoke uh, inactivates alpha-1 antiprotease uh, because of the oxidants in the smoke and also secondarily by activating and liberating all of the bad things in pulmonary phagocytes. Alveolar macrophages, cells of smokers have increased amounts of oxygen radical and peroxide and they have a decreased elastin resynthesis after uh, the destruction of lung tissue. So plasma protease inhibitor or alpha-1 antitrypsin is synthesized in the liver. Primary site of action is the alveoli. Uh, they inhibit PMN leukocyte elastase and protect elastic fibers from hydrolysis. The enzyme deficiency, which is heritable, uh, increases your risk of pulmonary disease by 20 to 30 times that the general population. This affects about 40,000 people in the U.S. and 1 to 2 percent of those with emphysema. It's an autosomal recessive trait. There are four types. Uh, okay, so this is the classification of emphysema that your test question, your pre-question uh, emphasized. So there are four types of, uh, according to acinar involvement in terms of emphysema. The proximal acinar emphysema, also termed centralobular, and you may see that on your CT scans that your radiologists dictate. They'll, also, they'll, they'll most often use centralobular. 
and that's associated with cigarette smoking, inflammation of distal airways, and often involves the upper lung, lung zones and an uneven distribution. Panacinar or panlobular uh, involves the entire acinus, and this can be uh, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency and most often involves the lower lung zones. Distal acinar, also termed paraseptal involvement, involves the distal acinus ducts in the alveolar sac and fibrosis. You can see this in fibrosis and a subpleural location associated with pneumothorax or with bullous emphysema. And that was your test question. So bullous emphysema is the distal acinar involvement. This can also be an irregular pattern, affects the acinus in uh, varying locations, but is always associated with scarring and fibrosis. And to some degree, if we live long enough, will affect all of us in, in our lungs. So the clinical classification uh, is by pulmonary overinflation. There's compensatory, diffuse, and then bullous disease. Compensatory emphysema is not really emphysema. There's no acinar destruction. Uh, examples of this are infantile lobar emphysema and infection, localized infection, uh, emphysema with infection or some type of bronchial tumor. So those are the uh, compensatory. Or if you've resected, a, a, a done a lobe, the compensatory changes in the uh, volume is, is the compensatory emphysema. Diffuse obstructive emphysema, uh, there's a type A or dry emphysema associated with cough, dyspnea, barrel chest, chest x-ray with overinflation and flat diaphragms. There's no fibrosis in these patients and uh, decreased pulmonary vasculature. This is, of the, again, the panacinar type destruction. They have a relatively good prognosis and their major complication is uh, pneumothorax. The type B or wet emphysema, these patients have severe cough and sputum production. They'll have some hyperinflation and demonstrate fibrosis, particularly in the lower lobes. And uh, these have centrolobular changes. Uh, they have a very poor prognosis and the main complication is obstructive. These are the, your classic COPDers, retention of secretions, respiratory failure. Surgical treatment is largely unsuccessful in providing improvement in these situations. It's also associated with a high mortality. Limited resections in carefully diagnosed patients uh, have some validity, particularly in the presence of large blebs or large bulla. And bullous emphysema uh, refers specifically to these thin-walled air sacs under tension that can then cause compressive atelectasis of the adjacent lung and decrease uh, lung function. Bullock can form in all pathologic forms of emphysema. Uh, the periacinar uh, bullock are probably the most common in patients who are referred to you for surgery. They can have fluid in them and develop these cysts and they can become infected. No single test shows which patients with bullous Emphysema will benefit from surgery, and you're going to have to carefully study each of these patients to uh, make that decision. Surgical objective is to try and remove as little functioning pulmonary tissue 
as possible, but remove the bulla so that there can be expansion of the, the good lung parenchyma. Complications in these patients include prolonged air leaks because their tissues are terrible and they don't staple well. Uh, so when you go in, uh, that's, that's a, uh, you might think about reinforcing your staple lines. Uh, residual pneumothorax, problems with um, uh, airspace, and then the mortality rates up to 20, 25% in these patients. So it's related to the severity of their underlying COPD. Pulmonary function tests are an important part of the evaluation of these patients, their DLCO and uh, their volumes, complete spirometry. So the uh, word about the lung volume reduction surgery, the NET trial in 2003 showed a survival benefit in the surgical arm for patients with predominantly upper lobe disease and low baseline exercise capacity. So if you remove 70 to 80% of the right upper lobe that was completely destroyed, you could uh, help with re-expansion of the remaining lobe uh, you could also do that on the left upper lobe, leaving the lingula intact. And a lot of times that uh, improved these patients' symptoms and breathing and could also serve as a bridge uh, to transplant. Here's an example of a large bulla. And uh, here you can see a nice staple line with uh, leaving just the residual good lung. Clinically, alpha-1 antitrypsin disease usually onset before 40 years. There's a higher incidence in females. Family history is very important. This is heritable. Chest x-ray will show emphysema just changes in the lower half of the chest. That's, that's an important kind of thing to remember. Angiograms and sinograms show greater perfusion in the upper lobes than in the bases. VQ scans will show basal air trapping treatment is replacement with alpha-1 antiprotease inhibitor. There's been some early success with that, but often it comes to lung transplant. All right, so that's bullous emphysema. Now, pneumothorax. Uh, this, this is a common thing you will see and treat, and there will be definitely some questions about this on, on your exam. You know how, you'll have to know how to manage these situations. So here's an apical bleb that we see in a young patient that comes in 24, 25 years old with a pneumothorax. And you have to staple that off and cure them. So the classification, spontaneous, uh, primary with no underlying pathology, secondary, underlying pulmonary disorders. There's catamenial pneumothorax we'll discuss and neonatal. There can be traumatic uh, pneumothoraces due to mechanical ventilation, thoracentesis, central line, and then uh, blunt and penetrating trauma. There can also be diagnostic causes. Causes of secondary spontaneous pneumothorax, um, Bullitt's disease we talked about, COPD is the most common cause of uh, spontaneous pneumothorax, asthma, congenital cyst, cystic fibrosis, and then neoplasms. Interstitial patients with interstitial disease, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, eosinophilic granuloma, sarcoid, and collagen vascular diseases can also be associated with spontaneous pneumothorax. Uh, and then there's the infectious causes, lung abscess, and uh, each of the things listed here. Other diseases, uh, endometriosis uh, as a cause of catamenial pneumothorax, 
Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, pulmonary embolism, Marfan's, and then something called Berthog-Dubé syndrome. I don't have time to go into that, but you might look that up. There's a whole website for Berthog-Dubé families. And believe it or not, I've operated on two of them. <laughs> um, indications for surgery. Massive air leak that prevents re-expansion of the lung. Uh, persistent air leak of seven to 10 days. I usually don't wait that long, two to four days uh, on a recent one. The second episode of uh, pneumothorax is an indication. Complications if there's a hemothorax associated empyema or if it's been chronic. Specific surgical indications uh, for conditions that cause uh, secondary spontaneous pneumothorax, also occupational indications uh, after a first episode of the patient's an airline pilot they, they scuba dive if they live in Roosevelt or, you know, somewhere out in the boonies. Um, if they've had a previous contralateral pneumothorax, bilateral simultaneous pneumothorax, or if you've got a, a huge cyst visible on chest x-ray. Here's a good example of a cyst that uh, is in this young lady on the uh, right side. There's, you'll notice too, there was a chest tube there's a chest tube in there, and it really didn't have much effect. This is the CT scan, so that's going to have to be surgically treated. This is the cyst, and uh, we excise that so with re-expansion of the remaining lung. Uh, and 80% of symptoms occur at rest or during uh, normal activity. They can have pleuritic chest pain. That's the most frequent uh, symptom. Dyspnea, second most common symptom, uh, and also orthopnea and hemoptysis. Most of the time, they've got a non-productive cough. More than 25% will have diminished motion of the chest wall on that affected side. Very seldom will you see any hypercyanosis, uh, but they can become uh, hyperresonant on exam, decreased breath sounds. Sometimes we'll have some sub-Q emphysema, and uh, if it's a large pneumothorax can have some tracheal deviation on chest x-ray. So primary spontaneous, these are young adults, 85% of them are less than 40 years, um, nine per hundred thousand. Most of the time they're tall, thin males, 25 to 30. If they smoke, that increases their risk. And if there's been a family history. Previous history, 90% chance is on the same side and very seldom will it be uh, bilateral, simultaneous. Ruptured bleb, there's about 15% of them that can be seen on chest x-ray. Even on a CT scan, you often do not see them, but when you get them in uh, intra-op, you can see the apex and the, and the blebs there uh, very easily. So 85% are found at, at VATS. Uh, very seldom do we ever do thoracotomy on these recurs with increasing frequency, so 50% after the first episode, and these are important stats for you to be able to uh, talk to your patient about. So after they've had their first one, there's a 50% chance they're gonna have another one. 62% after the second episode and 80% after the third episode. Secondary spontaneous pneumothorax, 20% of event is related to underlying pulmonary disease. And then a word about the neonatal spontaneous pneumothorax uh, associated with hyaline membrane disease, renal malformation, Potter's syndrome, also meconium aspiration in children, and uh, sometimes in CF, early CF.
so a catamenial pneumothorax uh, occurs during menstruation. Most of these uh, ladies are third to fourth decade. 90% are on the right side. It's unknown exactly why, what, what the cause of uh, that anatomic propensity is, but they, they do not occur during periods of non-ovulation. Four possible uh, kind of etiologies or theories about this. Uh, ruptures of blebs, alveolar rupture due to increased uh, prostaglandin F2 associated with the menstrual uh, cycle, air into the pleural cavity from the gynecologic tract or the abdomen, and then um, the endometrial implant theory is probably one of the most um, uh, salient of those. Uh, but if you've ever seen uh, patients or treated patients with catamenal pneumothorax, you know that they have this Swiss cheese diaphragm on the right. And uh, you're not going to fix them unless you repair the diaphragm. And so just a pleurodesis uh, doesn't do it. And so make sure you evaluate the diaphragm, look around the lung, look for endometrial implants that can cause it, resect those. You, you want to preserve parenchyma, but you have to repair the diaphragm in these situations. Otherwise, they're not going to get better. And oftentimes, uh, that requires a, a patch over that Swiss cheese portion of the diaphragm. Uh, PCP AIDS pneumothorax, frequent, uh, frequently refractory, recurrent, bilateral. Uh, these patients are very sick. Prolonged air leak is common. Hospital mortality as high as 50 to uh, 90 percent if they're on a vent. Chemical pleurodesis is ineffective in controlling prolonged air leaks or recurrence. VATS is probably preferable and survival is usually measured in months. Um, uh, spontaneous hemothorax occurs most commonly in a, a spontaneous pneumo or a pulmonary AVM. Most patients are in young men in the third decade. Pulmonary AVM can be locally excised with wedge and uh, metastatic melanoma or trophoblastic tumors uh, also are etiologies in these situations. Those can be managed by local resection as well. So the management of spontaneous pneumothorax uh, observation, if the pneumothorax is less than 20%, you'll have you know, some parents or kids that want to try watching it. Thoracentesis is 30 to 70% effective or just placing a small tube. Uh, in the ER, thoracostomy. Bronchoscopy, if the lung fails to re-expand after insertion of a chest tube. Chemical pleurodesis has a high recurrence. Mechanical pleurodesis, uh, complication rate of 3% and only a recurrence rate of 3 to 5%. So it's important to treat uh, the underlying disease, which is usually some type of apical bleb. Here's a scan uh, showing that. Here's a large bullous emphysema patient. All right, follow-up question. All the following regarding catamenial spontaneous pneumothorax are true, except occurs during menstruation, occurs in the third to fourth decades, 90% occur on the left side, does not occur during periods of non-ovulation, non may occur as a result of pleural pulmonary endometriosis. I think this ought to be 100% too. Oh, almost, 97. 
Yeah, so 90% occur on the right side over the liver.